1: Uh, It's a great day here in the New York City area. We're going to have a wonderful show today because we have the CEO and co-founder of Veridesk with us. If people are not familiar with Veridesk, which I'm sure everyone is, but if not, they provide the height-adjustable standing desks. They make it easy to turn any office into an active workplace. Before we get into the subject, we do want to let anybody know that is new to the show that you can find us in addition to the Voice American Influencer channel. You can find us on Facebook at Sustainable Success 2017. There you'll find uh, past episodes on demand from the many great guests that we've had sharing their expertise and stories and experiences to help business owners, uh, sales professionals, and all types of business leaders take their business to another level. Um, Also, I want to let you know that this show is being brought to you today by Empowered Fathers in Action. This is a new 501c3 nonprofit organization that is aimed at Uh, improving the father-son bonding process and they'll be aimed at providing solutions to help boys as they become men to be future leaders in their workplaces, better leaders in their homes, their churches, and their communities. So a wonderful thing that Empowered Fathers in Action are doing and they're looking to bring this into corporations, schools, uh, communities, and also into the homes of every place where there is a young man ready to be our next leader. So with that being said, we're going to be discussing today our topic, energy in the workplace, why it matters. And again, before we introduce uh, Jason, I just want to give a little bit of background about him. Uh, again, he is the CEO co-founder of VeraDesk. He's a lifelong entrepreneur. He has had more than 20 years experience building and running successful companies. He first learned the importance of putting the customer first as a child while sweeping up hair at his mom's salons in Galveston, Texas. Today, Jason oversees all aspects of Veridesk as CEO from design to sales to customer service and distribution. Under his leadership, Veridesk has grown rapidly from a company with one innovative product to a global lever, leader in active workplace solutions. Veridesk products can be found in more than 130 countries and more than 95% of Fortune 500 companies. In five years, Veridesk has grown from two co-founders to more than 250 employees. On behalf of Verides, Jason accepted the award for 2006 Fastest Growing Company in the Dallas Area at the annual SMU Cox Dallas 100TM Awards Ceremony. And in 2017, he was honored by Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award alongside his co-founder and longtime business partner. Without further ado, we'd like to uh, bring Jason McCann to the show. Hello, Jason.
2: Hey, Chris. Great to talk with you. Thank you so much.
1: Absolutely. It's great to have you here. We always love to have wisdoms of you know CEOs like yourself that are really cutting edge and really look at the big picture when it comes to growth and, and companies. And this whole concept of energy in the workplace is so important. And I know you've, you've written up on this topic many times, and I thought it would be great for the listeners to learn a little bit more for those that are working you know, for a company or have their own companies and are bringing in, you know, qualified people to really take it to the next level. Can you talk a little bit about the concept of energy in the workplace, you know, why it would matter?
2: Yeah, it's amazing. You know, energy is hard to describe, but you can feel it. So right when you walk into a workspace or an environment, you immediately feel the energy of a space that's inside of that space. So whether you're bringing in customers or your talent and your recruiter, the talent that you're recruiting and retaining to work in your workspace, feel the energy of a space. So when we started to think about product and activity around the workspace, we knew that really having a positive energy throughout was really a key ingredient to thinking about workspace. And it's subtle little things. So when you walk into a space, it's the smells, the sounds, the temperature, the air, the coffee that's brewing. So subtle little things like that from a physical standpoint. But we know as you walk through a space and you're thinking about people, where they work, where they hang out, where they're going to get things done, having little subtle details and features throughout it can transform it. Because energy transforms all of us, whether you're having a great day, a positive day, you have a choice of how you feel about it, and space can play a huge impact on that.
1: No, it's so true, because you think about, you know, you've got different types of people that are going to be in an organization at one time during the course of the day. And like you said, people can be coming in, they can be positive, they can be negative, any combination thereof. People are, you know, bringing in certain energies from their personal lives into the workplace. So having the right flow of space, you know, and energy for that energy to flow can really have a positive impact, even upon those people that may, you know, be coming in that day, maybe not feeling the same. So discuss a little bit about, you know, like the importance of that energy and how it can really, you know, take somebody that might be, like you said, you know, not in a good place, maybe has something to do personally in their lives, but yet coming in can maybe change the way they're thinking to something more positive so they could be more productive.
2: Yeah, you think about it as a CEO or a leader or a leader of a department inside of an organization. You're in there to really lead, motivate, embrace change, and be leading by example for your team. So by thinking about the subtle details around the energy of a space and the positive energy that you're giving off leading your team – to accomplish things that they may not even have dreamt up yet is such an important piece of that. And so we do subtle things. You know, I, I'm big about the hospitality industry, and so subtle things for energy is when I walk into, let's say, the Shangri-La Hotel, the amazing scents that come out of there, the amazing way that you feel, the way the staff embraces you, all those little things become important for your staff. So the receptionist, the cleanliness of the space, all provide that show that you as the leader of that organization care, because Every single person inside the organization represents your brand, the mission and vision that your company is on. so the little subtle things is we walk into a space and we always we always play with lighting and obviously with natural lighting and the beauty of LEDs now, you can create amazing lighting within a space because lighting for you know areas of the country that are dark for long periods, people obviously suffer from that, so the ability to have natural lighting. Also, people talk about trends of biophilia, and years ago, I had no idea what that meant. But you think about it, it's bringing nature and natural things from the outside in. So when you bring in live plants, and obviously, there's lots of companies out there that can do it, but you bring in live plants... And that starts to change the way the energy of the space feels, bringing in warm tones to the space, so natural woods, reclaimed woods or or natural wood tones, again, leveraging the natural elements when you think about designing your workspace, all little things start to change the type of people that you're recruiting, retaining that want to be a part of the space because they know you as a leader really care about the space that's going on. Other little things around that change the energy of a space is activity. So you're thinking about if you whether you have walking meetings that are going on. So people see activity that's happening throughout the space. So it's not just walking in to a static environment. So I walk in and the receptionist is up, and he or she is greeting me and excited to see me. Hosts come up and start talking to me about their organization. As I'm coming in to maybe apply for a job, I'm greeted with water and whether it's Stillwater, a Pellegrino, or maybe a coffee or or a hot tea just to show that they really care about the subtle details. Having that walking meeting that's happening with a client, suddenly I'm up on my feet, I'm energy, and other people see movement throughout the space as opposed to walking into what would be like an old library from college in the old days where you'd walk in and be static. But by up and things are happening and moving and the lighting and the natural lighting and the plants starts to all elevate how people perceive the energy of the space.
1: No, it's so true. I mean, that is so like, I mean, especially that, you know, the walking part. I love that when, you know, you can be walking, having a conversation with someone. You think about it when you maybe perhaps you see people walking around a a school track after work to get exercise and they're with a walking buddy. They're talking, right? And they're able to really relate to one another. And yet, you know, the body's in motion. They have, it really elevates their energy and their mood increases. And I think that's so important. And especially all the things you talked about, bringing natural, the environment into the workplace, you know, with the, you know, with plants, you know, it gives off quality oxygen, you know, and, 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 and the better the oxygen is in the workplace, people can breathe better and they feel more lively. I know for a fact, when I was, my first job, which was here 30 years ago, we didn't have any windows. We didn't have, it was one of the worst places that you could possibly work. And now I can look back and say, God, this is why, you know, people didn't get along and why things were a lot harder than they should have been because the, the, the way it was set up wasn't conducive to really bring out the best in people. So talk about a little bit, you know, you know, you, you, you had this probably going, when you started Veridesk, you probably had uh, this concept obviously going into starting Veridesk. Talk a little bit about, you know, when when what Veradesk's mission was, you know, not only to produce, you know, uh, you know these, you know, adjustable standing desks, but really w- the, the the bigger picture of what you are trying to do to transform the workplace.
2: Yeah, when we started, it was obviously a journey to help my colleague's back pain. He's literally standing there at a cardboard box, and he told his doctor he felt better when he stood up, and she said, well, then you should stand up more. And so we couldn't really find a solution out there that that would address his back pain. So he said, what if we created our own product? And by creating our own product, that we fell in love with, and we said, well, we got to show it to some other people here and see if they also love the product, and so literally one of our first meetings was with the president of Verizon down the street here in, in the Irving area, and as we walked into the meeting, as I'm, as we've got our first prototype, and we know that we're excited about it, and Dr. Levine had coined the term sitting disease back in 2012, and we yeah. learned a little bit about the industry, and as we walked in, we're like, "What is? what are the pain points that that he as a CEO is feeling and and we were dreaming about it and we said at the end of the day what we're trying to do is help him create a happier healthier more productive workspace. And when his ergonomist came in, and I did not know what an ergonomist was at the time, and said, let me make some subtle design tweaks to help your product be better. And the head of HR and people came in, and he said, it's all about recruiting talent. I need a healthy, engaged workforce. So activity and being able to stand and have movement at my individual workspace, you guys are on to something huge here. And obviously the CEO said, it's all about productivity, too. I need to balance it out. So we said at the end of the day, those are the three things that are going to drive our vision for the business we addressed one person's back pain, and now we've parlayed it into wow. We can really help organizations elevate their entire organizations. You know, we talk about the energy of a space, and we, and we had built standing conference table and prototypes years ago because we would have we knew that standing meetings for us, we just want to walk in and stand there. If you've ever walked into a conference room and everybody's sitting down at a huge table, you know it's going to be a total buzzkill for the next two hours about some boring PowerPoint that you going to look at. But if you walk yeah. into a Starbucks and you're going to have a brief two-minute interaction with a colleague over a cup of coffee and you're standing at a high-top table, we said so these are other products that we could create because they create an engaged, active, communicative workforce. So all these things became where we've taken Veridesk today.
1: No, that is so true. I mean, it, it's so powerful, like how you started to you know help somebody that was close to you and then what, what it became. because. When you think about it, like I said, you know, companies, you know, one of the biggest things that affects companies today, I mean, wellness is playing such an important role, is also onboarding. You know, companies spend, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions, in onboarding expenses, because there's a lot, you know, their retention, they can't seem to retain employees, you know, people come and go. But if you're able to provide an environment that, you know, produces quality energy, that allows them, you know, the body to be in motion, and that allows them then to communicate better and bond better. There's more like a synchronization of, of the values and beliefs and the vision and the mission of the company that will keep people there longer than usual. And I think that plays an important role into the total strategy. Well, could you expand a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, onboarding is a huge part of the process. You know, and you think about it, you're in, all of us are in the business of recruiting this next generation of workers to join our organizations because people are the secret to being successful. And with the way the world works today with salary.com, Glassdoor, the power of reviews and transparency, companies that embrace authenticity and transparency in the process of recruiting talent, being transparent about the values of the organization, the culture, and think about that, know that they are ultimately going to be the ones that are successful over the, as the next generation of workers continue to enter the workforce. So as you think about that onboarding process, it's subtle details by the initial email that says, I know you're starting starting a week from now. We can't wait to have you come to us. Just the positive energy by reading the email that says, we can't wait to you. Maybe you're coming in a little bit early, so all the paperwork is already done. It's not a traditional process of coming in, and I've got a long, laborious process. When the reception desk knows that you're coming and the new employee walks in, we all have that first day jitters, and he or she knows your name. They've already seen your photo, Bob, we're so excited that you're joining our organization. I'm going to get the team, and the team is there to welcome that person. Instantly, their confidence and the endorphins that release feels the personal positive energy that the person is feeling, saying, I've now got the confidence, I'm so excited about day one. They have the music pumping in the lobby like we do, and you walk in and there's music playing, changes the energy of the space. My first day on, I'm walking in, I'm now meeting coworkers, I'm seeing them interact in the coffee bar, having all those experiences early on, it's so important. The last thing you want to do is have an employee come on, not be welcome, not know they're here. We're going to be testing out something new starting next week where new employee teams that are coming on board, we're going to be start actually literally clapping and walking them through the tour of the space as they're going through it. And so it's going to be just, an, again, where they get to meet everybody. For me personally, I sit down, and in, as soon as we have a new hire class come in, and I actually we have a big sushi luncheon, and we sit down, and they get to ask me any question they want about the business. We get to talk about the core values, so they get interaction with the leadership, talking about it. But all those subtle details throughout the onboarding experience is a huge thing, and when it, you know, and we continue to do surveys out there, you know, listening to what millennials and the next generation are are thinking about it, and they know that 89% of active workspace employees are satisfied versus 61% of employees. We did all this survey of over 10,000 people said, They're not satisfied when they walk into an old cube farm and the energy of the space is wrong, and they instantly start thinking about, did I make the wrong decision? I need to get out of here. And with a generation that's very comfortable leaving a job within one to two years, the last thing you want to do in thinking about from a people or HR standpoint is agonize over this constant churn of your organization where you're constantly recruiting. If you can start to elevate the staff that you're recruiting, make their onboarding and their constant the fact that you care about them and their workspace and their environment and giving them the tools to be successful, you're going to have a likely long-term, career-long relationship with this new onboarded candidate.
1: No, that is so true. And that was such a great, uh, some great insight here, you know, especially for people that, you know, are running organizations, either they work for somebody or have even a small business owner that has employees. This is so important. And, You know, because, you know, energy, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm very energetic. Like I'm, I'm one of those types of people that I always have to keep moving around. And a lot of times when I'm talking with, you know, coaching clients or I'm consulting with companies, I mean, little do they know I'm walking around while I'm talking to them. I'm not sitting at a desk and, you know, it just allows the, you know, my, the, the, for me to think better, I'm able to listen better, understand what they're saying, and then be able to respond when appropriately. And that's so important. And this is such an enlightening stuff that you're sharing here today. Um, Jason, we're going to be going to break here shortly, but I wanted to, we're going to get into some other things here. If uh, anybody that is listening has questions, feel free, either you can call in uh, to the number uh, that's provided, or you can also list your your questions for Jason or or anybody, uh, even myself for this show at the Sustainable Success 2017 Facebook page, and we'll make sure to get back to you. Um so again you're uh, listening to Jason McCann he's the CEO and co-founder of Veridesk we are talking about energy in the workplace why it matters and we'll be right back after the break
0: What is balance join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects, surrounding yourself with family and loved ones, nurturing your spirituality, maintaining a healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness, and being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about eliminating limited beliefs or unblocking mindset barriers for entrepreneurs, sales professionals, business leaders, and professional athletes to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of resolving the root cause to the problem. Again, that's one 472 5795 or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now, back to Sustainable Success.
1: Well, welcome back. Again, we're here with Jason McCann, CEO of Veridesk. And we've been talking about energy in the workplace and why it matters. And we're going to take a little shift here because we're on the topic of the workplace and how the workplace is, a, is such an important uh, area where people work and where we get the most production and efficiency with workers. Um, another important topic, uh, Jason, I like to talk about is you know the flexibility piece in the workplace. I know you've done some uh, research in this area that companies that are changing things up or maybe every few years, up to five years, see a lot of potential growth. Talk about the flexibility factor in the work- workplace.
2: What we found is, you know, as we're doing all this survey data out there is, that, that, that new generation of workers were starting to enter the workforce and realizing that the workspace wasn't changing. So they were walking into, let's say, an old cube farm or an office that didn't feel that from an energy standpoint and wasn't changing. But leading companies, and we Google is one of our clients out there, and we were talking with them, and they said, we have 65,000-plus employees. 40,000 of them are moving every year. Our tasks are putting teams on projects. We're, putting, we're acquiring companies. We're acquiring technologies. Today, you may be on a project over here that The next week, you might be working on it with another team, and you're working with teams all over the world. And as we started to do more and more research into the area of flexibility, and so we talked to more CEOs, they said, I don't know what my business is going to look like two to five years from now, but I do know that it's going to be different. And I need the ability to flex teams into projects. I need furniture and workspaces that move, that feel more like a makerspace or a design studio, where I can have teams that can drop in from out of town, work on a project for a while, and then literally, could I change the space from conference rooms into offices? So it put us on an elevated journey of our product roadmap about thinking how could we create the workspace of the future to be totally flexible. The other thing you learn from just a personal standpoint is if you walk in in your apartment or your home feels the exact same and static all the time, it suddenly has a place it feels like it did five years ago. But if you move the couch and you put a new throw on there, you move the bed in your bedroom, all those little subtle details make it feel like you got a new space. So you can do the same subtle details in the energy of your space when you're walking into your lobby, moving the furniture, keeping it upgraded, uh, updating the furnishings that are in there, shifting where people are working. So this period of the year they're working in this area, but on this project they actually shift. A team of five might be doubled to a team of ten. Other CEOs have said, hey, we, have nev- we haven't hit an economic downturn in a while, but we have been through those cycles before. I'm talking to uh, experienced CEOs like me that have, that have been through a few battles, and they talk about sometimes it's shrinking that happens within an organization. So what if, and the last thing you want to do is walk in, and you've got a bunch of empty space that nobody's sitting at anymore because you've gone through a transition. But the idea that you take that space and repurpose it and change it, suddenly you're not walking by an empty cube that a former employee used to work at for the last five years. You're now walking by a space that's now a co-working space, or now it's an area where a, a new collaboration or a new task team, is put on a new project. So everybody's thinking about what is movable and flexible. So we're doing conference tables that are up on caster wheels. So today, there's six tables pulled together, and there's 20 people having a meeting. Tomorrow, they're all turned sideways, and it's a classroom because we're teaching the next generation of workers to be leaders. And then tomorrow we're going to say, hey, we need a row of, we need an entire benching system that's going to be lined up and we're going to be taking thousands of calls for a big project or an ad campaign that we're working on. So other companies are experiencing those same things and say, we want workspaces that transform and move and change as our business needs ebb and change.
1: No, God, that is so important. I mean, I mean, to think about it, I mean... You know, like think about flexibility when you're flexible in your, in your work and in, in your even when working out, you know, it keeps the muscles limber. It's the same thing in a workplace, you got to keep everything limber in a way that can adjust to any situation. And, and that's so important because, like you said, you know, companies are going to go through different cycles. And if it's the same old environment, it's just going to be draining on, on, on those employees. So, talk can you talk about some examples? of some companies that really have bought into the vision of the flexibility factor and how that's transformed their businesses with your involvement in it.
2: Yeah, so, um, yeah, we, it's interesting. We, you know, we talk to all these facilities managers, and they're sort of stuck in what they call no man's land, the executive team from the top saying, hey, we need a cool, innovative workspace. Don't spend a lot of money on it. The employees on the front lines are saying, hey, I want a cool, innovative, flexible workspace that changes the facilities managers out there have to go out, or the and sometimes the executives even and, and source and figure out what this is going to look like. And they say, the moment that we build a space, because marketing needs a space for twenty-five people, and we're working on this project. The moment we build it, I guarantee you, they're going to say, "I need three more," or "I need another conference room," or "I need another workspace." That survey data that we've got tells us everybody in the has to execute workspace always feels that pain point. As soon as I'm done, that. The needs have already changed. The business needs have already changed. The world doesn't work in these 10-year business cycles. The world's changing all the time. So I need the flexibility to transform my space. Every facilities person out there talks about this immediate need that happens as soon as they go into a space. They need an immediate change to it. So I started to think about that. We're like, okay, so how do we think about power even differently? As opposed to power is always coming out of one place out of the walls, we started to work with clients and do power that comes out of the ceiling that drops down. So just like you're in a Lowe's or a Home Depot or something, you see power being pulled down from the ceiling. Our clients, and we're actually doing that inside their spaces, so today I need power in this area of my building. Tomorrow I need it in another area. I just roll it back up into the ceiling. Totally new way to think about it. They're also thinking about space of, I don't want a bunch of permanent sheetrock in my space because it suddenly doesn't allow the flexibility of it. Today it may be offices, tomorrow it's conference rooms, now I want somewhat some open space. So clients are trying to rethink space. When you walk into some of our clients' new spaces, they're completely open. But open from really a bone standpoint. So we're doing is we're helping them think about permanent conference rooms that might have some sheetrock. But then the rest of the space does have offices. But all those walls are actually built in a process that can move and change as the business needs change. So as you're walking through and envisioning the space, it's no longer not a set it and forget it where I've all of a sudden built the walls and this thing will never change because the costs are so expensive to move it. Or if I do want to change it, I've got to take all this sheetrock and throw it into a landfill. Now I can just build a few rooms that I know I'll never change, and the rest of the space can design and grow and really breathe and be a living, breathing organism just like my business is. Because business is not a static thing. It's a growing, living, changing thing. And that's how they want to think about their workspace, flexibility, and all those things. Because the only thing that everybody can tell me is it's going to be different than it is today. I don't know what that means, but it's going to be different. So how do we think about workspace, the way we work, the energy of the space, all living, breathing, and moving and changing?
1: No, it's so true. Like you said, I mean, things are going to change always. I mean, that's just life and and business. And we have to be able to adapt to it. And if we're trying to adjust or adapt to the change in the same environment that we did previously, it may not be conducive to that. Talk about like some of the challenges that maybe companies may bring up, you know, especially it might be, well, it's, you know, we don't have the budget, you know, it's too, it's too expensive to make these modifications. What are some of the ways to kind of get around that to show in the long run how this change and 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 what you can incorporate can really you know make a bigger difference down the road for those organizations.
2: Yeah, I think the you know the reason that we've been so successful is because we're so different and I'm personally not from I would call the workspace or furniture industry. I'm a I'm an entrepreneur that actually works like all entrepreneurs. So I'm all out there talking to the fan base and my customers about what works for them. What do they need? What do they not need? So it's a, it's a constant listening as we're thinking about what their pain points and needs are going to be. Obviously, cost comes up as one of the key variables as they think about it. Well, how much is it? Well, I think in the traditional way that people always bought furniture, It's a very expensive way. It's a very antiquated industry with, you know, a bunch of manufacturers, thousands of dealers. It's a very antiquated business model. And our business model, we because we started this fresh five years ago, we were able to look at the best companies out there and think about really product development and and everything a little bit differently. So our business model is built very much the way that Elon Musk has built his business model in that we design our own product, we ship it to our distribution centers all over the world, and then we sell it directly direct to our fan base out there, so we get immediate feedback. So the cost standpoint, once people realize that is, wow, this is not expensive to transform a space. So you think about it, a worker today for less than $2,000 and even less than $1,000, you can create an active, cool workspace for that individual. You're going to go out and spend tens of thousands, if not over $100,000 per employee to bring them in, recruit them, hire them, train them, get get the teams working for you, focus on your new initiative. If you're not willing to make a little bit of a capital investment, I would argue less than 3% of the salary of your employees into their health and wellness, and then you think about the energy of the space, the ROI on that is so huge. Once CEOs that get that, which most of them do once they start looking at the way that our particular business model is set up, they know that they can immediately set it up and from a simplification standpoint, you know, when we, when we created this company years ago because the joke was we absolutely don't like assembling anything. Our goal would be to assemble nothing. So all of our products, we said we want to build in less than five minutes, or no minutes, it literally comes out of the box, so the idea that you've got to have a painful process for a transformation, because we're going into clients that want to take out their old stuff and put in new, we're going into clients and say, hey, I want an ideation lab, or I want an incubation area, and I have this dead area that nobody ever goes to, so what we do is we come in and we create a really cool space, maybe for 10 or 20 or 50 people, suddenly people are attracted to work there. Because it's engaged, active, moving, I can sit, stand, I can have a standing meeting, I can move the walls for conference rooms or task teams, suddenly that, that little bit of a space inside of a space creates a ripple effect inside the organization. They say, I want to be associated with that group that's working on that project. That's been the success of our business. It's really been by word of mouth. So we said early on that we had to have everybody knows us for that desk on top of desk. We now have over two million people worldwide that use that original Pro Plus product, which is incredible. But now we're able to help organizations think about energy and culture and recruiting, retaining talent, flexibility, and change. And all of our products are designed around that. So it's been an incredible journey.
1: Yeah, that's so important. What I love about you know you weren't you're not just another office furniture company, right? You know, you see the bigger picture. You look at, you know, companies onboarding, you know, expenses, how employees engage one another, the workplace, the corporate culture in general. Energy in the design of the workplace plays a very important role in that, like you said. And, and the fact that you can see that and really come up with solutions that allow your furniture to play a role in that, but, you know, for them that where they can save money um, on, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, onboarding and then also providing an environment where, employees can work better together they're more efficient they're more productive and when people are operating at that level they you know obviously revenues come in uh, far more than they would in the other way around so talk about a uh, little bit about the process Jason that you go go through when you when you go into a, a company that's looking to make this transition what are what are, what is the process that you go to kind of uh, you know bring them on as a customer
2: yeah the the amazing thing is a lot of customers have already got a product from us, so they're very familiar with sitting and standing, and they recognize, even as Tim Cook said, you know, sitting is the new cancer. I mean, table stakes of an active workspace they know is really table stakes for recruiting and re- retaining the next generation of talent. So they start to come in. The beauty is they can actually, a lot we have clients come from all over the world that will fly to our 75,000-square-foot headquarters in Dallas and see our showroom and walk in and see where our world headquarters is and experience the space. And they'll start to talk about this feels right. I'm, I want to take this and incorporate it into my space will sit down and really understand what are the needs of their organization. We have space planners on site that will sit there and talk about workplace strategy and, and how they're thinking about the growth of the business over the next few years. What are the key pain points of the end users that they're looking for? But they say a lot of the same things. I'm focusing on engagement. I really want an engaged workforce. I want to attract and recruit. This is a crazy job market out there. I've got to recruit. I want to create leadership and education programs. How do you do that? How do you think about leadership and training for the next generation, and we share best practices with our fans. You know, this is the first business I've been ever able to have such a direct relationship with our customers, and I didn't get that at first. We shipped out thousands of Veritas, and suddenly people were sending us emails and giving us feedback, writing the online reviews. And that's what I realized we can have this completely transparent, authentic relationship with our fan base. And so we're very open with our clients as they start to come in and, and talk about things that they're looking for and the pain points that they're going through, whether it's budgetary constraints, whether it's I've got this new generation of workers, but I also don't want to lose the expertise of my older generation of workers who have been with me for 10 or 15 years. I don't want to alienate them. I want all of them to be brought upon the journey. So we'll be working directly with the end users to give them get their feedback on the product. And the beauty of the world today is through surveys. We can survey people what they use, what they don't use. We go into client spaces now and they'll we'll help them actually we can go from the design to the product selection, and then we can actually come and set up the product for them if they'd like us to, and we'll set up the product for them, and then we come back every three or four months, and we actually help tweak and transform the space as their business needs change, and we have this career-long relationship with our fan base because we recognize by having that relationship with our fans, we get to learn. We're a student, too, that's constantly learning, trying to get better and improve our product roadmap. How do I become a better leader? I can share best practices with these other executives. My sales leadership, my, my product design team can listen and learn to the end user. And what are the pain points that he or she experienced at their workspace, and their team rooms, and their huddle rooms, and how do we create products and solutions around that? And we're there for them. We test all of our prototypes. For instance, we're launching marker boards on Friday. I've got 100 of them going out there to my best customers so I can get feedback on the product and learn as we start to launch these new products. But having that relationship with your fan base allows you to have a long-term growing, ebbing, pointing, and it pre- it really allows us to continue this product journey and grow our business. But all those things are by listening to what are the needs they have, sharing openly things that are working for us as well as things that aren't working for us. So they walk into our space and they're like, what is that smell? And I said, we're testing new scent machines because we know we're to a- when a place smells better, it just feels better. I'm not selling said machines. I'm sharing a best practice. I show them this cool coffee maker that's basically like the the Pike's Brewery over at Starbucks. That's what we brew our coffee yeah. with—a local bean roast. All those little things we share best practices, and they come along the journey with us.
1: I think that is so important. You know, again, the user experience. I mean, that's really what you know drives uh, the attention of other prospects to want to work with you. Because again. You know, you, you use these different channels to communicate, you're able to listen effectively, to understand, you know, know their their pain points, their challenges, what they like, what they don't like, and be able to adapt in, in a proper fashion. So uh, so I, I totally understand that. Um, so we're gonna be going to break. Uh, you're listening to uh, Jason McCann, CEO of Veridesk. Uh, the, the topic today was energy in the workplace, why it matters. We'll be right back after the break.
0: Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects, surrounding yourself with family and loved ones, nurturing your spirituality, maintaining healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness, and being present in the moment. Visit ChristopherSalem.com.
2: Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America
0: Influencers Channel. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795 or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now, back to Sustainable Success.
1: Well, welcome back to Sustainable Success. If you're just joining us, uh, we're here again with Jason McCann, CEO of Veradesk. We've been talking about energy in the workplace, why it matters. We also were talking about the importance of flexibility in the workplace for corporate and business growth, how, how imperative it is, to uh, change things up every few years uh, to inspire uh, your workforce to uh, perform at greater uh, performance levels. So uh, Jason, we wanted to use this time here to find a little bit more about your entrepreneurial journey. We have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to sustainable success each week and they love to be inspired by people that have just had tremendous amounts of success like you have. You are a lifelong uh, entrepreneur. Talk a little bit about you know your experience, you know, from where you started to where you are today with Veridesk?
2: Well, you think about each step along the journey, and it's obviously not all perfect out there from a business standpoint. So uh, the first CEO and entrepreneur I knew was my mother, so literally sweeping the hair in her hair salon and watching her hire people Fire people, train, recruit talent, all were little learnings there between the ages of probably 10 and 14 as I swept and learned the importance of retail and really customer service and service as an industry. You know, going to school, I studied at the University of Houston the hotel restaurant program thinking I wanted to be in the hotel and restaurant industry, but what you learned there, and I, when I was down at, at Disney working on an internship, it's really the magic of being on stage, that you're really there talking to customers and fans from all over the world, and then you're off stage, you can be off stage. But on stage, you are on the game, and it reminded me of things that my mother had taught, and I just watched her by learning, opening up a beach chair and umbrella company and you know, and, and learning all these things out there but from a business standpoint. You start to learn about customers and payroll and all these things um, and all those subtle learnings. But also, you know, we had the idea to do Christmas and Halloween product in the late 90s during the dot-com craze when everybody was chasing the dot-com craze. And we thought, wow, this would be great. We could sell Christmas and Halloween product online. So we created a business out there and we did millions of dollars in sales. But unfortunately, like most of the dot-coms back then, we built an unprofitable, unsustainable business model if we didn't have more and more investors. So as excited as I was to go out there and build an amazing dot-com business and open the door and hire the first employees and get it excited, I realized I'm spending all my time out there raising capital and distracted and not able to help drive the business. And once the market shifted and we didn't really have a sustainable business model, the most amazing culture I built and the most amazing company at the time – It was unfortunately not going to survive, so being the first employee there and literally unlocking the door to being the last employee there and having to let everybody go was a huge dark period in my professional life. And I've got a six-month-old, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, am I just personally not going to be a success? Am I am I a failure? And I think those are just moments that all entrepreneurs go through, because it's not all high-flying and perfect. It's the daily grind that gets you going, and you've got to constantly listen to your customers. And so as I sat there and learned from these lessons, I, I kind of honed in on saying, what we've got to do is continue to find great products and services, and somebody really really helped me define this and, and he said really a small group of people need to love it and if that small group loves it, and a larger and larger group, that ripple effect can really like it. That word of mouth has got to spread, but you really got to get that. So even with the very first Verides, as we were showing the prototypes out there, it's very important to listen to that customer so that we could tweak and learn the product and what were the little subtle changes that we need to make. And now I can still do that. I can read data and all those things, but those are learnings that you get early on with the product and each iteration of a product or a service that you're offering you the leader the entrepreneur get to listen make pivots and changes then as you start to scale the business i mean i always i always say to my staff here i say that you know the most this is the most amazing thing in the world because we're suffering from growing pains and growing pains for an entrepreneur are fun shrinking pains are the worst pain i will take growing pains over any kind of pain but it's interesting to get from you know, as we started to go from that to hiring people and recruiting, so it's just a it's just a different way to think about all the growing pains that you go through from a business.
1: Yeah, I mean, you made a very good point earlier about you know uh, you know I, I think every entrepreneur goes through periods where they've had failure, and maybe not even maybe more than one failure, maybe several failures. But failure is actually you know, the experience that things that they learn from to become successful. It's part of the success model, and that you know truly being you know lit, you know learning from those experiences. And still being committed to those daily disciplines that you know are going to get us to where we want to be. So you know, talk a little bit about um, you know, you know, the some of the things that you got from this experience personally, like what some of the things that changed you as a person, and how that correlates not only in your business but also your personal life.
2: Yeah, so you know it's it's interesting. You get that initial rush. I remember the first day we sold three Veridesks, and it was over a thousand dollars in revenue. And I'm high fiving. You know, Dan and I are high fiving. Oh my goodness, three! That's incredible. Is you know, where did they go? And oh my god, we shipped one up to Oklahoma. We're out of the state of Texas, and we started. To, I called them. I was like, "Hey, how'd you find out about us? So I read it. I read the online review. Okay, I need to do more online reviews." And these little subtle learnings that you go through, and then I realized I got to hire. Some people here. I I joke that if I was 25 years old, I would have absolutely crashed this thing because I would not have started to immediately recruit people to help me on this journey because I can't do everything. I think entrepreneurs, we at first get to do every part of the job. But you as the entrepreneur and the leader of the organization have got to continue to elevate and recruit people around you with their expertise to help you get smarter and better to to grow your business model. But taking all those little learnings, and as we got to 10 employees and 20 employees, I get to interview everybody, hire everybody. Suddenly we're at 100 employees, 150 employees. I can't hire everybody. I can't be the head of HR. I can't do every job. I suddenly got to elevate. And what I realized for me, which was totally different, is 80% Eighty percent of my staff is millennial. It's the next generation of workers, and now some Z's are coming in that are entering the workforce, and that's my new generation of leaders. They haven't led organizations, they haven't done those things. So I worked with my team to create Veridesk University, so we're actually teaching leadership principles so that they can hire and recruit talent because it can't all be about the entrepreneur. But all these things you start to build upon this this building block, and I always joke that it's it's never this perfect, beautiful revenue continues to grow grow, but you've got to continue to get the foundation of your business just ahead of revenue so that you can scale the business and grow, because once that small group of people love it, and the larger and larger group starts to happen, you want that foundation of the business just ahead of it, and a big thing for me was to say, hey, we've got to operate like a Southwest Airlines, we've got to watch our pennies, we've got to have an amazing culture, because sales matter, obviously payables and making sure that people are paying their bills, but all those little things, because we've got to keep the business profitable, I Don't want to put us in harm's way financially ever. So continue to hire people with that mindset. Let them take ownership in the roles that they're doing within the organization. All gives you a chance to really build something that can live beyond you.
1: No, it it is so important. Like you said, like, you know, as entrepreneurs, you know, we are so used to handling all the different roles, you know, especially when in the infancy stages when we just start out. But as we grow, we have to, you know, we have to be able to you know, give up some of that control to other people that can help grow our businesses. You know, you look at people like Bill Gates and Steve Jobs when, you know, their respective companies, you know, they, they, in themselves, they couldn't have done, grown those companies themselves. They needed to have the right talent and be able to give that control up to them. And you made an interesting point about, um, you know, the, you know, you have a lot of millennials in, in, your, in your organization and now you're bringing in Gen Zers or iGens, the iGen generation Talk a little bit about that, because there's there's a little bit, you know, there's going to be diff- generation types are going to relate to one another differently, and there's, sometimes there can be conflict. But you mentioned something about the university, you know, setting up something where these where both of these generation types can learn to adapt and work with one another. What are some of the things that you're doing there? Because that was something interesting that, that came out when you were talking about that.
2: Everybody out there, you want an organization that is learning, a learning culture out there. You know, you've got kids that have just come out of high school or college that are just entering, but also we've got, you know, seasoned executives at these organizations that are inside of them that also have a tremendous amount of knowledge that they want to share and they want to continue to learn. So whether it's for ourselves at Veridesk University, I can have mentors that have been inside of larger companies teaching classes, but then also bring in outside executives that can teach us about things about employee engagement and workplace study surveys that they're doing and learning from other great organizations so that we can be a part of that And then this generation of workers learned, now I can lead a team. Now I can take this back out of the classroom, implement it inside. It's not just a millennial classroom. It's taken all the executives through the same class so they're a part of the entire experience, learning from what other organizations are doing it inside of their organizations. We're taking those same learnings and putting them inside of ours. Because ultimately, you want people that care about learning because the business needs and the jobs are going to continue to change over time. So in Getting that into your culture very early is a huge thing for
1: you. Yeah, it's so true. I think it's so important because, and it's great that, you know, you're able to do this and it's an ongoing thing. It's not something, you know, that you offer once because, you know, obviously different generation types are going to relate differently to how they respond or perceive things. So it's really important that, that you set up things that are going to allow them to communicate and work together in a, in a productive way. So, um, you know, with that being said, like, you know, within, you know, with what you've done on the entrepreneurial journey, and it sounds like what Veridesk is all about, the wellness side of the business and why that plays an important role. Talk a little bit about, you know, work-life balance briefly um, and what that means to you
2: yeah I think for me you know it it I think what it's work and life it all ebbs and flows, and if you absolutely love what you do and you get people that are excited about the positive difference that they're making in people's lives and they're really doing something that they're passionate about and attracting people on there. It really doesn't feel like work. So you've got, obviously, in a connected world today, it can operate 24-7. But for me, taking those breaks with a Headspace app or doing those things for mindfulness and making sure that I'm recharging, we also do things like volunteer time off where I pay my team to go out and volunteer so they're not forced to. And they also, I lead by example. I live and breathe, and I go home at night and cook breakfast for my kids, and I'm an engaged dad, and I volunteer and bring in the schools to come and learn the next generation of entrepreneurs, and they see me lead by example. So
1: all those things are important with work-life balance. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think it's so important because we got you know, to obviously have time to recharge. You know, you know, just all work, no play is not going to be sustainable, and that's something that is very important to our our listeners, especially here, because sustainable success is all about you know finding never never going to be perfect balance, but striking balance between your business, your relationships, and your wellness, and always putting wellness first, and that's what I love about what uh, uh, Veridesk is doing that they, they see the bigger picture in uh, in organizations and that how that plays an important role in in the workplace so, so that being said Jason I wanted to you know let the listeners know a little bit about you know what you're up to these days you know what what, what are the, you know for you personally in terms of where you're taking Veridesk or where you know where they can also find more information about Veridesk and you personally
2: yeah, so obviously people can learn a lot about us at veridesk.com, so V-A-R-I-desk.com. Everybody knows us for that desktop product. We've got over 2 million people, but now we're entering the space of reimagining the entire workspace out there. So join our website, hop on there, check out the full office solutions, come to Texas and us. We've just opened up a, a showroom in Washington, D.C. We're opening up other showrooms around the country so people can start to see and experience how we imagine the workspace of the future and can go on the journey with them. So we're so excited to make a positive transformation. All these organizations would love to ha- help any of you as you're going through these growing changes as well.
1: That's awesome. I mean, I love the the, the you know the, the, the chance for people to you know experience what takes place in the workplace. So you're talking about you're going to be launching new uh, places around the country. So one is in D.C. That would be the one on, the one on the East Coast. Any more in the works? Yeah, so, you know, we just opened up in Washington, D.C. We have so many government
2: officials that want to see our product. So we're one stop down from the White House, and it's an amazing product. It just opened up six weeks ago, so people can see the workspace of the future and experience it. Obviously, now we're shipping to clients in over 30 countries on a daily basis, so we're starting to see and learn what's working all throughout the world. It's an incredible opportunity to transform. And the next thing for us is helping school kids. So we're, we're moving into schools and the next generation of, of learners and workers
1: out there wow that's powerful I love that and that could be another topic in itself uh, we're going to definitely get in contact with you when we get to that because we're going to be talking about schools um, at some point uh, with our content that's one w- w- area that we're going I want to thank uh, you personally Jason for joining us today Andrea thank you for putting this together and again we want to thank the listeners as always for joining uh, the sustainable success show each and every week again we always going to bring quality uh, expert guests to the show to share content that will make a difference not only in your business but also your personal life when it, when it comes to your wellness and your personal relationships. So again, Jason, thank you very much for joining us and thank you audience for being here and we'll be back next week. Have a great day.